Welcome to the Gifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. Our guest today is Eric Sieveson. Eric, thanks so much for being on our Gifters Podcast. Christopher, I'm really excited to be here. You're an amazing person and I'm happy to be speaking with you. Well, thank you so much, but you're amazing as well. That's why you're here. <laughs> well, you know what? It's available to anybody who chooses to do the work to, to do amazing things. Yeah, so, Eric, um, so Eric's a speaker and author, but what I want to dive into is the fact that this guy you're listening to has a unique honor, and I've literally met, interviewed, talked to, collaborated with hundreds of thousands of people in the world, including billionaires and heads of state, or people that are homeless. And Eric, you're literally the first guy I've ever met in my life that has majored in anthropology. <laughs> All right, you've probably met a few, but you didn't know it. But yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I like anthropology because it balances a little bit of the sciences, the humanities, a lot of social science, of course. And so it's been a really well-rounded for me to jump in to do different things, particularly you know, international business development using anthropology. So it's been a well, good first, platform for me, for me to do different things. Yeah, well, first explain to our guests in case they don't know, like myself, who is as, not as educated as you, perhaps. So first explain what anthropology is and then explain why that you feel was a great platform for you to be a, a successful business person. So in a nutshell, anthropology is the study of humans and there are different divisions of that. So there's, of course, archaeology, where we're studying, uh, studying ancient cities and ruins and learning from the past civilizations that way. There's, of course, medical anthropology, where we're studying what, how the body is today. There's um, cultural anthropology. There's linguistics. So those are the four arms of anthropology. I did cultural anthropology. And I, of course, I, in undergraduate, I had to learn all four basics, which is great. And then in graduate school at the University of Virginia, I focused on cultural anthropology. So I went to live with a group called the Wayana Indians in the Amazon. And it was two weeks dugout canoe ride. I was the first non-Indian many of them had ever seen. I went down all alone. Um, and I learned a ton living with them for six months um, about, about what the core basic life is like. And one of my favorite takeaways from this time with the Indians is about, is about leadership. Um, and I used, I used some of the things I learned with the Indians in South America living in the middle of the forest like they have for thousands of years in business, which is really, really funny. I think we can learn a lot from, from people who don't have skyscrapers and, and fast cars. Wow. Why don't we dive into that a little bit more? Because again, most of us will never have that experience or opportunity. So like when you're there for six months, what are just some things that, first of all, just visually you notice about their cultures, how they eat, like how they interact? And, you know, yeah, just, just, just kind of dive into a little bit more in terms of your experience there. Okay, so um, when I went in, there's a checkpoint about a week dugout canoe ride up into the forest called Mariposola. This is in French Guiana, Suriname, and Brazil, right on that northeast corner of Brazil. And uh, I, there's a medical doctor who goes in with the Indians once a month, and I happen to get to that village by myself the day before he does his monthly trip into the, to give medical supplies to the Indians. And so uh, he took me a, another deeper section into the forest, asked the chief if I could live with them. And it was just a beautiful reception of these people welcoming me. And the next day, the funny thing is I had um, a backpack full of, you know, I had seven boxer shorts. I figure that's a nice round number for the <laughs> days of the week. The next day I woke up and uh, there were six Indians wearing boxer shorts. And because and one thing that I noticed was, and I was told this before I went in, that, that personal property doesn't really exist. There are a few things wow. like their bow and arrow that nobody really messes with. <clears throat> but for the most part, there's no personal prop and personal ownership. People share things. And wow. that was neat to see. And the 
biggest thing I took away that I use in business though is leadership. The chief of the Wayana has no enforceable power. So in the older days, I didn't see this, but this happened even in, you know, 1950s, where if the, if the chief thought that they should go to war with the tribe next to them, he would pick up his bow and arrow, start walking towards them. And if people thought it was a good idea, they'd follow him. If not, they wouldn't, he, he'd die alone. But I did see this. They do kind of slash and bring agriculture. The chief would pick up this makeshift hoe that they have and start weeding the garden. And lo and behold, other people would pick it up and start doing it. So they would follow by choice. And no matter what he said, they didn't have to listen to him, but they did. And I loved to see that lead by example um, with no enforceable owner, uh, authority at all. Wow, wow, wow. You know, that's so powerful because, again, so many of us, let's say, Eric and I are Americans and we're in the West and we, we look at other societies that might not be as privileged per se or developed per se because they always say developing world and developed world. And you look at your story, for instance, it's just so inspiring to know that we can learn from anyone, but especially those that don't have private things, also they share. And that's just a funny story. And let's yeah. talk about your business because you are a speaker and author and a lot of our guests might want to be speakers and authors. Like, how did you get into that world? So it I always like being in front of people. My first big public speech was way back in 1989 when I was working in Japan for Green River Community College. They started a campus over there and I was hired as a student representative to, to work for the campus for uh, six months. And, and I did an address to during the opening ceremonies of this whole community college in Japan and I loved it. Um, and so that kind of got the idea going. Um, but then I did other things. I taught for 10 years, English as a second language and I taught in multiple countries and I was lastly teaching at UCLA, but I realized I couldn't support my family with my teaching salary. So I begrudgingly went into business and absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> thrived in business, learned all these business tech uh, tools from between Tony Robbins to the classics, Dale Carnegie, things like that. And, and I realized nobody's using these tools in education. And so I decided I wanted to get back into education a little bit. Uh, along this path, I wrote a book called Ordinary to Extraordinary. Um, and it's basically 22 narratives of my life. And how did I find meaning in my life by doing these? And I grouped it into sections of belonging, purpose, storytelling, your thing, storytelling, and transcendence as these pillars of meaning. And that comes from Emily Esfahani-Smith, her book, The Power of Meaning. But I, I regrouped my book according to her pillars of meaning. How did these stories give me a sense of belonging? How did these narratives of my life that happened that were true give me a sense of purpose? Or how did I get my story out? And then when I published the book, I got a random email from somebody that says, hey, Eric, I work for so-and-so. It was actually Mammoth Lakes Chamber of Commerce. And they wanted me to speak up to their business community up there. And that was the start. Uh, actually, I'd been speaking quite a bit before then, but that was the, the start of a kind of a circuit I started with some chambers of commerce. So um, awesome. the book really was a great platform to get going. And then once I started getting going, the word of mouth is my biggest tool to sell, actually. Yeah, if, if you're good, obviously, right? So I want to stress two points that Eric mentioned to our guests. The one is you can learn anything you want because a lot of times when I meet people, they're like, oh, Chris, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. I'm like, dude, you can Google it, right? Now, beyond Googling it, you have to learn from an expert like Eric or myself because if you want to dive deeper. The other thing I want to say is that books are very helpful because if you do want to be a speaker, having a book like myself or Eric, like I wrote my book 20 years ago, not knowing at the time, like, wow, if you write a book, you're considered an authority. If you're an authority, people ask you to speak. So in Eric's case, he saw that himself as is my case. So for those listening, just make sure you know that it is possible whether you came from an anthropology background or myself, a business background, but the point is you can do it. 
Now, for you, Eric, um, specifically, after you started going to Chamber of Commerce, how did you pivot to more of like the professional gigs where people started paying you? Oh, those were paid. Um, those were oh, multiple thousand dollar payments. So I averaged my average uh, chamber and not all chambers have the budget for it, but I'm getting 2,500 generally when I speak at a chamber of commerce, because I'll usually come up and either speak to business owners or frontline employees. I've got a few things going. So, so no, those are, those are actually paying, helping pay the bills. Cool. 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 Now, what suggestions would you have relative to the people listening? Let's say they don't want to be speakers or authors, but they just want to be more successful as a leader or in business. One is giving, giving, giving. Uh, and I think that's part of your platform too. But definitely, I love the Zig Ziglar quote. I think it's, you can get anything in their life that you want as long as you let, help another, other, other people get what they want. I totally believe in that. And the second thing is, you can read all of the books on self-help development you want and business development you want. But if you're not taking action, it doesn't mean a thing. So people think they're advancing themselves by being educated. But unless they really go to the next level and take action. And you mentioned earlier about your course. I think every speaker, no matter where they're at in their process, needs a, a mentor, um, needs to be a coach and, and, and have a coach. Um, I have people that I pay um, to help me do things. I have people who pay me to help learn from me and who aren't as far as in the journey. It's kind of almost incestuous that there was one time we were laughing that I was paying a guy A, he was paying a guy B and B was paying me because we had a little different skills that we all needed from each other. And we were laughing about that, but that's how it is. Even Tony Robbins, he, he pays people to coach him. There are multiple thousands of people who pay him to be coached. So I think everybody needs to be a coach and to have a coach. I agree because unfortunately, if, if you look at all the athletes that are Olympians, right? All athletes that are successful have coaches, but when people look at personal development or self-help, some people like kind of poo-poo that I'm like, dude, like, if you don't invest your time or money in things, you'll never succeed. And unfortunately, people don't see that concept, Eric, but it's, it's unfortunate. Why do you think people don't see that? Meaning like, let's say I literally had a, a guy that saw me speak on a book I wrote about networking with billionaires. And he's like, Chris, you know, I loved your speech. I really want to be more successful. I'm like, all right, cool, buy my book. It's, it's 20 bucks. He's like, oh, he literally paused, Eric. It's a $20 book. Right. And I asked him, well, what do you do on the weekends? Oh, I go out, I meet girls here, go I'm like, so dude, you drop a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars on it's drinking, and I'm like giving you a book that spent twenty years creating, and you can't pay twenty dollars. I'm like, your priorities are wrong, and you'll never be successful. And he got really offended. He's like, what do you mean? You know? I'm like, if you can't, and even this is my book, by the way. I don't care if you don't invest in my book, but invest. In, I'm like, all right, you won't be successful. He got really pissed off. I'm like, look, if you remember anything, remember that if you don't invest your time and money, you'll never be successful. Absolutely. And, and it's one or the other. It's some people don't want to give up the, the, the money. Some people don't want to give up the time and that the energy. So there are, if, if, if public speaking were easy, if you could just call somebody and say, Hey, I'd like an agent and the agent started booking your things, there would be 300 million public speakers in the United States. <laughs> but the hard part is getting, doing the pounding the pavement and making relationships and then, you know, sticking on it. But you're right. It's a lot, it's a lot of hard work. And that $20 investment for that book, could possibly change that guy's life. But if he's unwilling to part with the 20 bucks and the two hours to read it, you know what, he's, he, he's not gonna progress. Yeah, and I'll say one final thing because ultimately it's like my first paid speech was $50 19 years ago. And my biggest speech ever was $30,000. And I tell my clients, look, you can spend 20 years learning what I've learned or invest in a program or in Eric's case, he has speeches and programs. Like you're literally sh shortcutting the process because you're learning from Eric and myself. So with that, Eric, thanks so much for being on our Gifters podcast. How can our guests stay in touch with you? 
So Christopher, thanks for having me. Um, the easiest way is ericseverson.com, E-R-I-K-S-E-V-E-R-S-E-N.com. Uh, my email's there, my phone's there. And um, yeah, I just, I'm happy to share with, with your listeners. Happy to be here, Christopher. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks so much for your time, Eric. Have a great day.